Morning, Brookside. <clears throat> Hope you're having a great, great weekend. I want to uh, just give you a, a special announcement about a um, just a unique ministry opportunity that we all have, and and that's um uh, for tonight. If if we could all gather together at about 11:45 in in John Alford's driveway and and uh, <laughs> light off some M80s, I'm thinking it would be great. We don't want John to be a grumpy old man, do we? No, not at all. Well, if you are a guest here with us today, we, uh, we really do want to just say just a special welcome to you. Uh, we're really glad that you're here and that you're able to join us. And uh, yeah, I just really pray that this morning uh, you just really have a, a, a great experience here. So we're, we're privileged to, to have you with us. Uh, as John said, we're continuing on today in our series through the, the New Testament book of Colossians. And uh, next weekend we'll be finishing up this 12-part series. And I uh, hope it's been phenomenal for you. I know it's been impacting for my own life. Uh, the text that we're going to look at today is another set of verses that are just jam-packed full of what I really believe are going to be verses that will deliver a really strong challenge to us. But on the same hand, I, I believe that they'll also um, be very encouraging to, to everyone here today. So before we jump in, though, would you, would you pray with me and, and let's just ask God really to direct us. And I particularly want us to go to the, word this, to, go to the Lord this morning before we open the Scriptures because as I was thinking about this text this week, as I was studying, you know, it, it really dawned on me, if we would take to heart these verses this morning, um, the impact that it could have for us personally and really for us as a church in our own city and really around the world is pretty huge. And so let's really go to the Lord and petition Him with sincere hearts and, uh, and just really ask Him to do really what only He can do in this place. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning uh, that you meet us exactly where we are at today. Um, Lord, I thank you that you know us by name. I thank you that you know every person in the room. You know how our week has been. You know what we bring to the table today. And Lord, I thank you too that you are the kind of God that you not only hear our cry, but you answer us. I think of Psalm 12. It says, to the Lord I cry aloud and, and he answers me. And so Lord, we want to just pray this morning that as we cry out to you now, as we say, Lord, would you speak um, Lord, we want to trust that you'll answer, and so we want to open ourselves and make that request to you, Lord. So, Lord, would you guide us? Would you direct us? Maybe have just a, a conversation, just very sincerely to the Lord right now, and just say, Lord, uh, I, I'm, this might even be totally new to you, but just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm open to you today, and Lord, I, I desire for you to speak into my heart. So, would you have that kind of a conversation right now, just on your own with the Lord? Go ahead. Lord, I thank you that you are the kind of God that we can trust and that you care deeply for us. And um, yeah, we worship you today. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today we find ourselves in the last chapter in the book of Colossians. And I want to give you a bit of an overview, a bit of a flyby of where we've been so that you know kind of where we're going today in our, in our text. As we've journeyed through this book together, we first saw that the Apostle Paul went into great detail about who Jesus Christ is. And then very personally, we looked at who we are in Christ. We looked at what Christ has done on each of our behalf. Uh, we considered that. Um, this room would, is full of stories of, of life change. This room is, is full of stories of people who their lives have been touched by Christ. And so we looked at that and we, we looked at how Christ has stepped in on our behalf. And then we got to chapter 3 and and in chapter 3, by that time, we had a strong foundation built, a strong foundation about who Christ was and who we are in Christ. And, 
And from that foundation, we said, okay, the Apostle Paul now has some instructions for us. But we didn't approach those instructions in a manner that it was sort of like, okay, if I do these things that Paul is instructing me to do, if I do them, then I earn the favor of God. Uh, if somehow I, I, I muster up the good behavior or whatever the, the encouragement is, if I can do those things, then all of, these, of the sudden I'll be in better standing with God. Kind of an if-then. That's not at all how we approach this text. Rather, as we looked at who Jesus was and as we looked at who we can become in Christ, we said, okay, now we approach this instruction that Paul now gives us. We approach it really out of an overflow. Oh, we look at the things now that the Apostle Paul has said and, and we say, okay, wow, we want to sign up for that. Uh, we, we long for that. We are compelled even for that because of who we are in Christ, because of the joy and the, the meaning and everything that, that comes along with Christ. Paul has given us instruction on several things. You might remember he talked about the different attributes that really mark a follower of Jesus Christ. You might remember that statement. He said, I want you to clothe yourselves. And he said, I want you to put on different things, different attributes. Uh, he's given instruction to children. He's given instructions to husbands, specific instructions to wives. And then last week, Pastor Steve, we, he looked at this instruction that we received as it relates to the context of our work. I was particularly impacted by this question. Did I just go to work today or did I go to worship today? Um, if you were gone last week, I'd encourage you to go online and listen. And now today when we get to chapter 4, what we're going to see is the Apostle Paul is he's still talking to followers of Jesus Christ. And what he's going to do today is give us some very practical instruction. He's going to give us very practical instruction on how we can share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with other people. Let me ask you a question. What is your gut level response to the topic of sharing your faith? Let me ask it another way. When you think about sharing your faith in Jesus Christ, maybe that's sharing it with a person that you know really well. Or maybe that's with sharing it with a, a person that you've just met. What is the, the emotion that comes to mind? What are the things that you think about? Undoubtedly, there's an array of, of responses to this topic, an array of emotions that even come to mind. First, you might be here today and you would say, you're just checking out the claims of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're just checking this thing out and, and, and you maybe would come from the perspective that you would say, I just want to know why people would want to share their hope that they have in Jesus Christ. I want to know what's behind it. I want to know why they're motivated to do that. And maybe for you, you would say, I've had experiences in my life that were positive. I've been around certain Christ followers and me being around their life and the things that they said, they actually... It, pushed me towards the gospel. It made the gospel appealing. Or maybe you would say that there have been different people or different experiences that you've had that you would say, it actually pushed me away from the gospel when I was around them. I remember in college, there was a, a guy that would come to our campus on the campus of Iowa State. He would come every, every year and he would stand in central campus and he had a Bible in one hand and he had a megaphone in the other hand. And he would stand there and he would just yell and scream as people walked by. Now, now some people would, thought, wow, this is guy's very passionate about something. I'd love to know what that is, right? And so they would sit down and listen to him, but other people just walked by and they just shook their heads in further disgust as this man shared his faith. Or maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Christ and, and frankly, this subject of sharing is a bit unnerving to you. I mean, you'd rather do a lot of things than face maybe that awkwardness if that's what you've experienced when you've sought to share your faith. You, you, you would say this topic is... At best, it's uncomfortable. Uh, you thought, well, you know what, I'm, 
I'm really glad that other people are really gifted at that because I'm clearly not gifted at that and I'm, I'm just glad that it's happening. I'm glad they're kind of taking care of it. For others, this topic, it makes your eyes light up. Now, you're the kind of person that you go to the grocery store and you see a long line of people. Instead of that being a bad thing, there's this little ding, ding bell of opportunity that's ringing in your mind. And you go, this is great. I bet you these people don't know Christ. And so you begin to just share. You'll share with anybody. And when you get rejected, it's no big deal because you're thinking, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Not a big deal. And you just, you move right on. You love it. You can't wait for opportunities. Christ has transformed you. You can't wait to share it. For some, this topic It frustrates you. It frustrates you because you know it's important and you know it's biblical. Even inside, you're deeply burdened for those who aren't experiencing the love of God. But yet there are seasons in your life. Maybe a week goes by, a month, a year. You look back and you go, I haven't had a meaningful conversation with someone about Christ. I haven't had an an intentional conversation in a long, long time. And it frustrates you. When just hearing about this topic, you, you feel disappointed. Frustrated. Or maybe it's a frustrating topic to, to you because you are totally grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ and you feel like, I want to share it, but I don't feel like I'm equipped to do so. I don't feel like I've got the tools to be able to present the hope that I have in Christ to someone else. Let me give you some very good news here this morning. This is what you're going to find from our text, regardless of what your gut reaction is to this topic of sharing the hope that you have in Christ. If you'll apply what we'll read today, I'm confident that two things will happen. I'm confident that first you'll be more effective in your sharing of your faith. You'll get some practical tools from this text. It's a good thing. It's helpful to you. But secondly, you'll also, from this text, I believe it will put you at ease. I believe that you'll be reminded of, okay, who's really in charge of that whole matter? And I believe that you'll then approach opportunities with a an expectation in mind with some excitement and you'll experience joy through it. You know, I think it's very interesting that the God of the universe chose to bring the message of the love of God, the message of the redemption for mankind, that he would choose to to use ordinary people, that he would choose to use people like me and you to be the conduit through which that message would come. It's interesting to me. It's amazing to me. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is instructing his disciples and And he's saying, hey, I don't want this just to be for you guys. No, no, no. I want this hope that you have in Christ. I want it to go, he says, to all the nations. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives this roadmap of kind of how this is going to play out. And he says to his apostles, to this this first group, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. And then he goes, and then in Samaria, a little further away. And then he says, all the way to the ends of the earth, he wants this message of hope to go forth. Now, surely God wasn't up in heaven going, wow, I really need help. I mean, surely God could have found a much more efficient manner to be able to communicate his message of love to all of mankind. He's surely not up in heaven going, wow, I'm just too busy. I just don't have time. I'm working on a few galaxies over here. I don't have time to meet the spiritual needs of people. And not the case at all. This past week, I was working on this project at our house. We're laying these paver blocks and on this uh, walkway in the backyard and and uh my wife took our three kids out for a walk so that I could get some dedicated time to try to wrap this project up do you ever have a project that just goes on for all of eternity it seems like and this is one of those for me and so she took the kids and and so uh she starts to take them away and our middle child Ashlyn four years old says hey hey I want to stay with dad 
And so she stayed, and I knew in my mind, okay, not getting a helper here, right? As a matter of fact, I went into the garage and got some more block, and I, I came up, and, and there she was sitting on the, the stairs, kind of coming off the deck. Tools are all laid out, and she looked at me, and, and she said, I hid something that you'll need. And I said, well, if you know I'll need it, then why don't you unhide it? To which she replied, first you have to figure out what it is, and then you can guess where I hid it. Fun little game, really, you know? Now, if that doesn't define a good little helper, I'm not sure exactly what does. But know this, God isn't up in heaven saying, I need a helper. God isn't in need. God doesn't have a task that is too big for him to accomplish on his own. Yet, it's out of his love for us. I mean, it's out of his love for his followers that God knows there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more meaningful than for you to be a part of the process of not just impacting a person's life for, you know, for as long as they're alive here, but for all of eternity. And so God doesn't keep that to himself. He says, no, 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 I invite you into that process. If you're a follower of Christ, I invite you right into it. I want you to think for a second about the the person or maybe the people even that played a key role in, in you coming to faith in, in Jesus Christ. Think about it for a second. Can you picture their faces? There was a person that, at some point that played a, a key role. I mean, isn't it encouraging to think about who that is? I'm so grateful for this guy named Jake Huck. Uh, Jake was a guy, in addition to the foundation my parents built, Jake was a guy that helped the gospel make sense to me. He was instrumental in me coming to know Christ. I'm so grateful for a gal named Lori who was instrumental for Christina coming to faith. Now I want you to think for a second about the people in your life. Think about the people that have yet to experience the grace and the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. This could be a child of yours. This could be a friend. It could be a parent, you maybe would say today. This could be the family down the street. But when you think about them, it, it really it wrecks you, doesn't it? It wrecks you in a good way because you long for them to know and experience the love of God. You long for them to have this gift that you freely received. And so it breaks you in a good way. This is why this, is, this topic is so important this morning. You'll be able to walk away from this text with a, some very practical insights into how you can effectively share the hope that you already have in Jesus Christ if you're a follower of Christ. I think it's important, though, first to, to note the foundation, the, the, the motivation behind why the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Colossians to share the hope that they have in Christ. Know this, by no means is the Apostle Paul simply um, engaging in something because he thinks it's the right thing to do. By no means is he simply doing this just because he just wants to convert a bunch of people. It's not his motivation at all. Rather, There is a deeply rooted personal reason why Paul is writing what what we're going to see to us today. And what it is that compels Paul is the exact same thing that compels you and I. If you read through the book of Acts, and I would encourage you just as a motivator this week to do that. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see 11 different times that the Apostle Paul, what does he do? This is a guy that was once an enemy of Christ, but now he, he's boldly proclaiming the message of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, Paul wrote, When I preached the gospel, he said, I can't even boast about it. 
He said, when I preach the gospel, I can't, I can't boast because I am compelled to. I can't help it. I'm compelled to. But I asked the question, why? I mean, why was Paul so compelled? I mean, why was Paul compelled to the point that he would even enter into very risky situations? Why was the person who shared Christ with you compelled? Why did they enter into that awkward conversation if it was that for them? Why did Paul embrace great risk? Why? And then why does he instruct and, and encourage us to do the very same thing? When you understand the reason why, it compels you. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This is a picture that Paul has of Jesus Christ. If you're new to church, the, the facts of who Jesus are are really laid out. The, the who, who Christ is really comes out in this passage. Also in this passage, you see, who are we? What is our identity? And when the Apostle Paul, when he writes this out, I mean, it compels him. This description, this picture of who Jesus is and then who he is, it does something inside of him. It does something inside of us. Here it is, Colossians 1, verse 15. This is a description, a picture of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, he, Jesus, is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then we get to verse 21. This is who we are in Christ. This reality, when you really think about it, it compels you. The Apostle Paul can't keep this inside. He says, once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. But now, what has happened to you? But now he, Jesus, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Know this, if you are in Christ, you stand before God as a sinner. I don't think there's anybody in here that would say that they're free from sin. Yet this, know this, you will be completely free from accusation. You are blameless. Colossians 1.20 says that we have peace with God. Why? We have peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's great news. That's compelling this reality, this picture of who Jesus is and our standing before him, it's a paradigm shifter. It's compelling. And now you might be thinking, well, yeah, but we're talking about the Apostle Paul. I mean, now the Apostle Paul, I mean, he's, a, he's like a big shot in the spiritual realm. But, but know this, you have the same standing before God as the Apostle Paul. You stand before God in Christ, holy, blameless, free from accusation and that compels us that reality compels us to want other people to have the exact same thing it brings joy to us to be able to share it christina recently heard about this really good burger joint down in bellevue it's like rated the, the the has the number one best burger in in uh in or in nebraska yeah yeah you're stella's yeah everybody's saying it yeah check it out right and so and so we got done eating there and we were just kind of there to see if it lived up to its reputation around a date and, and it did. And I got in the car and boy, I'm you know, texting a friend, got to check this place out, I knew you'd love it. And uh, the next day I come into the office and say, man, you guys, we're going to meet at 
in this place because the burgers are awesome. We were, we were talking about it. I was spreading the word about this place. Now, on a much, much greater scale, who we are in Christ and what that does inside of us, it compels us. I came across this quote this week, and, and this is challenging. It says, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. I'm convinced that when we, that when we understand that when we really take the time to mull over the gospel in our mind and who we are in Christ and what he's done on our behalf, I'm, compel- I'm, I'm convinced that it, it, it compels us out of joy to embrace the instruction that Paul has. It's an overflow for us. Look with me at verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4. Very practically, Paul's going to describe this is how you can effectively share the gospel. Verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now that word devote there, that that verb there that's used, it means to be courageously persistent. It means to to hold fast and to not let go. John Wesley put it like this. He said, prayer is where the action is. Some of you, you have prayed for different people in your lives for years and years and years. And there have been times when you've thought, you know what, I should be done praying. They're not, I'm not seeing opportunity. This person's heart is hard. I, I, I should just give up on this. I was so encouraged as I read through this and studied this this week. And you should be encouraged too. What does Paul say? He says, devote yourself, meaning this, hold fast. Keep on praying. Be courageously persistent in your prayer. Why? Because God, we know he, he answers prayer. That person that you have in your mind that you just say, boy, they're just too far from God. They're so disinterested. Apostle Paul would say, devote yourself. Keep praying. Don't give up. Romans chapter 12, he writes, be devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says, pray, get this, without ceasing. Just keep on praying. One of the defining characteristics of the early church, a group of people that saw God do miraculous things. One of the defining things about them was that they devoted themselves to prayer. We know straight from the teachings of Jesus that Jesus answers, he rewards persistent prayer. He goes on, devote yourselves to prayer, being, and then it says, be watchful. This is exciting. I mean, this is the part where you just anticipate that God is going to open doors. You expect that God is going to open doors. To be watchful, I think, is really, it's a declaration of faith. Because what you said is this, you said a prayer to God, maybe you say it in the morning, maybe you say it throughout the day, you said, Lord, I, I pray that you would open doors. And then, but then when you're watchful, it's like you're saying, and I believe you're the living God, and I believe that you're going to open doors, just like I've prayed that you would. And so you, you live expectantly. Paul's saying, be watchful. Watch for where God is working. And then in addition to that, to, to, to saying be watchful, he says, be thankful. When that open door comes, just yesterday, just kind of mulling this passage over, ran into someone, and I thought, wow, that's an open door, a complete open door. What should I do then? I give thanks. I need to give thanks to God. I need to have a grateful heart. Lord, thank you that I work next to so-and-so. Lord, thank you that I got that call. Lord, thank you that we crossed crossed paths today. He goes on, look at me at verse 3. He says, and pray for us too. Pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now don't miss who Paul is relying on. 
He prays that God may open a door. Know this, this isn't about Paul, and this isn't about you, and this isn't about me. This is joining God in what God is doing. You know, this week or next week, if you have an opportunity with a friend or, you know, someone that God lays on your heart, and you have an opportunity to, to maybe share your story about how Christ has changed you, and you kind of get that nervous, kind of clammy hand feeling, and, and you're starting to, you know, just kind of go, oh, I don't think I should, don't think I should. Remember this. Paul's praying, no, 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 I pray that God might open a door. Remember, it's God who's doing the work. You are joining God. You are simply doing this. You're saying, I want to bring glory to God with my life. And so that takes a lot of pressure off. So now I'm just, what am I doing? I'm just walking through the doors that God provided, that God's going to move in a heart. I'm not going to move in a heart. God's going to do that work. Look at me at verse 4. He goes on. He says, pray. And again, do you notice the theme here? What's he keep going back to? What's this foundation before any conversation ever happens? It's prayer, prayer, prayer. Verse 4, pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Now notice that Paul feels a sense of responsibility to proclaim the message of Christ in in a very clear way. Very practically, I would ask the question, what does that look like? How do you share the hope that you have in Christ? I think the best place that you can start with is this. You can share how Christ has changed you. Your life, your your example of, okay, here's who I once was, but now, wow, this is what God has done in me. I'm far from perfect, but wow, I'm confident of the future. Christ has done something in me. Your Your story is incredibly powerful. And then you might say to your friend, you might say, you know what, can I, can I just lay out for you though? This is how this made sense to me. Uh, this is how I began to understand how, how I can relate to God and how I can, I can know God. You can do this on a, a napkin. I've done this on a napkin in a, in a restaurant. This is, I just want to give you just one example today. Um, and, and there are many. There are many ways to share the gospel. But I just want you to have at least one that you can go, okay, I, I could do that with the person that I, I care about, that God would open a door for. This is how I would do it. And this is the exact same thing, really, just changed a little bit, that Jay Cuck, as I was a sophomore in college, he did something very similar for me. He started like this. He said, okay, here we are. High artistic ability, I know. He said, here we are. And then he said, over here, over here is God. And he said, Jeff, we were created to have relationship with God. We were created, the theme of the scriptures is that we were created to be with God. We are his creation. Beautiful picture. He said, but, but we're, there's distance between us. There's, there's been separation that's come. And so, kind of, you know, you can just draw that out and you can say, okay, so, so we're over here now. And God's over here. And the result, the reason why there's separation between us and, and this holy God that's our creator is because sin entered the picture. And so he simply maybe write sin right down here. And I would use this verse. I would use Romans 6.23. This is maybe a launching pad where you can just really explain. You can walk a person through this. This is known as the, the bridge illustration. Very common. So that verse says, for the, for the wages of sin is, and then you could write this right down here. You could write the word death right here. For the wages of sin is death. And then you might ask the person, hey, if you have a job and you do your job, what do you expect to get in return? And that person will say, my wage. I should get paid for the work that I do. And so you can say to the person, okay, well, here's the deal. We have sin in our lives and the, the wages of our sin, what is it? The wages of our sin is, 
is death. It's separation from God. It's not how God intended things to be, but it's reality. It's a huge problem. Huge. For the wages of our sin is death, and then you just walk right through Scripture. But the gift of God, and I would write gift right here in the middle. But the gift of God, the next word there is eternal life. Write that right over here. So you might just kind of step back and say, hey, does that make sense so far? So we've got sin, and that's entered the picture, and you'd say, are you a sinner? And that person would say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I did X, Y, and Z wrong, and I, I can only think God can forgive me. And so you'd say, well, yeah, the wages of your sin, you're right, is death, right? We're all sinners. And so there's a great need between us and God. There's a chasm, but what does God do? In his mercy, in his love for us, what does he do? He, he gives us a gift, and that gift is eternal life. And then you just go on and you say, where does that gift come from? It's, it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then you might say to the person, you know, people lots of times think, you know what, I can get over to God. I just got to be a charitable giver. I just got to be a good person. I just got to work really hard. I got to be a good parent. I just got to keep, I can, I can muster my way to God. That's probably the number one thing that people will say. When Jake asked me, Jeff, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I said, yes, of course I would. And he said, well, why would you go to heaven? I began to list things out. I said, I really believe at the end of the day, the good will outweigh the bad. I'm really hoping it does. And so Jake began to explain to me, okay, no, no, no. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he said, hey, Jeff, your good works will never make you approachable to God. He's, he's holy. He's just. That's exactly how we want him too. And he said, There's only, the only hope for you is it's, it's Jesus Christ. The scriptures say that, that, that we take on the righteousness of God, meaning this, that when we appear before God, we don't appear with our stuff. Thank goodness. But here's the good news. We appear with Christ. That's, our, that's, who we, that's the righteousness that we bear. And so you might even say to the person, okay, in you know, John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, kind of go like this maybe, it says, for all those who hear... My words, and then it says, and believe in Jesus Christ to have eternal life. So you might say to that person, okay, you've heard the truth. I mean, do you understand that though? We're a sinner, we're in need of, 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 of God's grace and his mercy and, and we're gonna appear before God one day and I don't wanna do that alone. And so thank goodness that God and his love and his mercy for us, he sent his son Jesus Christ to be our righteousness so we would appear right before him. Okay, you've heard that truth now. Here's, here, here's, how, here's how this works. You, you believe. I mean, that, that's the gospel. That's an easy way to, to present the gospel. Know this. The Apostle Paul, as he writes this in the book of Colossians, here's the point that he's making. Present the gospel, but he's saying, present it clearly. And he feels obligation to do that. He says, present the gospel as I should. Let's keep going. Look with me um, at verse 5. He writes, he goes on, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Meaning, hey, it's just not about what you say. Saying, you've heard the saying, your actions speak louder than your words. He's saying, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Moses, he prayed this in Psalm 90, verse 12. It's a great one to memorize. He wrote, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. You know, I'm amazed at God's timing sometimes. This week, I got to be up with this family that uh, their daughter's very sick, up in intensive care and moved to hospice. And I tell you what, one, one trip up 
that hallway in intensive care, the hospice unit. And, and I tell you what, my paradigm gets completely realigned. It was so good for me. Your perspective just kind of gets jolted. I was reminded, okay, Jeff, what is most important in life? Paul is saying, he's urging us. He's saying, make the most of every opportunity. Just don't, don't, don't just pass through life. He's saying, no, 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 I want you to, to live intentionally. What really matters? And then last verse, verse six, more practical instruction. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, hey, let your conversation, let it be full of grace, meaning let your words be kind. Let your words be gentle. Might people know how much you care, not only by what you say, but even just by how you say it. But then he also says, might your conversation be seasoned with salt? This is this, the, really what he's getting at is, might your conversation be full of truth? And might it be that when you speak, when you speak prayerful words into the lives of people, he's saying, might you put them, might you lead them to a better place by the things that you say? I don't know if you heard that news story this week about that four-year-old girl over in Iowa that got lost in the cornfield. You hear that story? It's on Tuesday. Hot day too, wasn't it? And I have a four-year-old daughter, and so I was all ears when I heard that story. And so about after seven hours, they finally found this little girl. But as the news spread that she was missing and she's out in this field just roaming around, you can only imagine, droves of people started to come to look for her. They came as far as Minnesota. 250 people, they said, in a not very long period of time. And they searched and they searched. And finally at 11 p.m., this reserve officer heard a faint cry. And then he heard this little girl say, Daddy, you know. You can just imagine that moment. I mean, the article that I was reading said that the crowd, what did it do? It erupted with joy and applause. And you see that, all these kind of rescue workers, all these people out there searching. You know, some of them just came straight from the office or just sweating. They, yeah, we found her. Imagine that moment. Think about this. On a spiritual front, if you're here today and you know Christ, you understand what it means to be found. You understand what it means to, to see someone's life. I mean, I can think of people that I would say, okay, that, that guy, when he came to know Christ, he stopped putting his, his hope and he stopped putting his trust in his accomplishments. He was all about career and that was the main thing. And where was my identity? It's in who I can be and my next promotion and the things that I have, my assets. And now you'd say, no, 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 my hope now is in Christ. I can think of the, the, the person that would say, you know, I can just name people that would say, you know what, I was unconfident. I, I, mean, I didn't have any hope in life. I can think of one dad in particular. He has direction. He's a new father now, and he's, he knows. He's going, hey, I'm living for a purpose. I'm leading my family for a purpose. I can think of countless people, maybe many of you even, you would share my story, people who we would say this, we thought, Good works. We just thought, man, if I just try harder, if I just muster more effort, at the end of the day, I'll be good with God. But now we look at that and we go, okay, no, that, that's not true. The gospel is that Christ would be our identity. You can think of those people. You've been changed by Jesus Christ. My prayer for this message is this. It's that we would be the kind of people that as we look around, we would see people as God sees them and we would say, okay, God has given me hope. He's given me life. He's given me forgiveness. And I just freely 
just out of the overflow. I just, I long to extend that to people. This week, might we be the kind of people that we pray diligently for those in our lives? If we've been frustrated, might we just say, okay, I confess, I kind of let that, that go, but I want to be re-engaged with that person. I want to re-engage with the Lord, and might we be the types that we pray, God, would you give us open doors? And then might we be the type of people that as we see those open doors, we courageously walk through them knowing full well it's not about us. We're not the ones doing the work. We're simply seeking to bring glory and honor to God. And so that takes the pressure off. And might we walk courageously through those open doors. Let's do this. Let's just go ahead and let's pray. Um, Let's pray to that end. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. And um, I thank you for this message that the Apostle Paul had for us right here today. And Lord, we want to bring the people in our lives to you right now that haven't experienced the joy of Christ. And, and Lord, it wrecks us in a good way. And uh, we just pray for them. We pray for open doors. We pray for opportunities. And we pray you give us the courage to walk through those. And then, Lord, I, I think of the, the people here today, maybe many who came here today and they didn't understand the gospel. But now the gospel makes sense. Lord, I thank you that you're the type of God that you say, okay, if you hear and you believe, you have eternal life. And so, Lord, would you just have your way even with our souls. So we pray in Christ's name. Amen.